I wrote these about probably six, maybe seven Christmases ago. And uh, the Lord just prompted me the week before Thanksgiving. I was preparing for another uh, Christmas series. I wanted to try to be fun and creative. And I might do this next year because I have some good points uh, to bring out. I like to be relevant to the kids. And uh, everybody loves Elf at Christmas, right? It wouldn't be Christmas without I mean, don't everybody love Elf? Don't y'all like it? I mean, I love Elf. But anyway... Hey, buddy, hope you find your dad. No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, um, I was going to write a series about Home for Christmas because that's the whole thing uh, about Buddy, the elf. Um, and uh, we, need to see, we need to see the prodigals brought home for Christmas. Amen. We need to see the prodigals brought home, period. But there's no better time than Christmas. But the Lord just really impressed upon me to revisit these messages and allow him to expound upon them so they're different than they were those years ago. But we're going to take a journey through Christmas. So today we're going to begin in Luke chapter 1. If you'll stand with me all over the room, we're going to read 20 verses and then we'll pray. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Many people have set out to write accounts, this is Luke writing and speaking, about the events that have been fulfilled among us. They used the eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, he said, I also have decided to write an accurate account for you, most honorable Theophilus, so you can be certain of the truth you were taught. When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes. Remember that. Careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive. And they were both very old. So she had been told she was unable to conceive. One day Zechariah was serving God in the temple for his order was on duty that week. How many knows that whatever you do for God in the temple is important? It's important when you need something from the Lord that you're found at your post doing your duty He's called you to do in the temple, right? So whether you're singing up front or spraying Lysol on the seats between services or wiping down doorknobs or cleaning bathrooms or trying to smile through a mask, trying to greet people at the front door, no matter what you do, it's important. Amen? Zechariah was serving God in the temple for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priest, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, watch this, a great crowd stood outside doing what? Praying. Remember that. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said to him, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He'll be a man with the spirit and the power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. John the Baptist is who we're talking about. He'll turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and he'll cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Zechariah said to the angel, How can I be sure 
this will happen. He said, I'm an old man now, and my wife is well along in years. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was He who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. We're going to begin today with the first of four messages in a series in our journey through Christmas today. We're going to look at the conception. If you will, pray with me and for me one more time. Father, thank you for your word. I thank you for every precious soul assembled in this building right now and those that are watching online. Lord, I pray that right now you would just anoint your word. God, I, don't, I ask that it wouldn't be my words. Let only your words go forth today. Lord, let it not come forth with the enticing words of men's wisdom, but let your word come forth today in the demonstration of your spirit and in power. Lord, my prayer today is that many will be strengthened, many will be encouraged, many will be uplifted by the promises discovered in your word today. We'll give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, Amen. You may be seated. Beginning in Luke chapter 1, we're going to take a journey through some of the scenarios of Christmas. So, Many times what we do in the holiday season, the Christmas season, is we just run right straight to the manger and we look at the wise men and the baby and, and Mary and Joseph, but we fail to realize how God brought it all together. Sometimes we don't pay attention to all the different characters that are involved and we don't see the bigger picture of the entire launching pad uh, to, to establish, uh, that is the establishment, I should say, of our faith. The very establishment that our faith is built upon, sometimes we look past uh, the bigger picture of the whole thing. So I want to first of all say this this morning. Don't ever think that you understand God. Don't ever think that you understand God. Don't ever assume that you know what God is going to do next or even how He's going to do it. Because God's ways are unsearchable. His love can't even be understood. We don't, His thoughts are not our thoughts. God doesn't see things the way we see things. Amen? God see th sees things differently. The Bible tells us we look through a glass darkly, but we only see in part. But there's coming a day when we'll see the way that God sees it. But we need to always remember God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. He doesn't see things the way we see things. So as we begin looking at the first chapter of Luke's account, we need to understand something here. I know I haven't read the story foretold of Jesus' birth. We'll get there in just a minute. But what we have here as this story is unfolding is we have two women that are both going to have babies. And one of those women is too young. She's a virgin and she's not married. And so she's too young, and then we have another one that is far too old. And so that's what we start with. Two seemingly impossible, improbable, unlikely situations. Now, we also need to understand that Luke, the writer of this gospel and also the writer of Acts, Luke was not a Jew. He was a Gentile. And he was writing to 
young Theophilus. We only find Theophilus mentioned in the book of Luke and in the book of Acts, and, and Luke wrote both of those books. And so the most that we can gather about Theophilus is just that he was simply a young man that was learning the things of God, and he wanted to be able to understand and for it to be proven to him, for him to understand everything that he was being taught. So we find that Luke here uh, is giving the reports of Jesus' birth and his life pieced together because he wanted to give Theophilus the full story. So Luke took it upon himself to write the history of Jesus in an organized fashion in a way that Theophilus would understand. Because Luke said to Theophilus in verse 4, he said, I'm doing this so that you can be certain of everything that you've been taught. I want you to, to be able to verify everything that you've been taught. So the first thing that we see here is that we have an answered prayer. I want us to revisit verses 5 through 13. I'm going to read them a little bit quicker this time. But follow along with me. When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. One day Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week, and as was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord to burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside and they were praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel of the Lord said to him, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. That's what the angel of the Lord said to Zechariah. So what prayer here has been heard? God has heard your prayer. Well, see, since the time that Zechariah and Elizabeth had been married, they had been praying for a child. A long time had passed that they had been praying for a child. All of these years, from her childbearing years all the way to way past those childbearing years, they had prayed for a child. So this prayer was not a recent thing. It was not a new need. It was not something they had just begun to pray for. As a matter of fact, I believe that they had probably forgotten their request to have a child because they were seeing with natural eyes that it probably wasn't going to happen anyway. But can I tell you something this morning? That is this. God does not forget. Say amen, somebody. Amen. Thank you. God does not forget. God has a plan. I want to tell you something this morning. God is not shut down by the clock or the calendar or anything else in this world. Did you hear me? Don't, don't cause me to get political this morning. You already know how I feel about shutdowns. I don't really feel like shutdowns work very well, but I won't get into that. I'll save you, I'll save you some time there. But here's what I want to tell you. Regardless of what gets shut down, it does not affect God. This church went through a 10-week shutdown uh, from March to May, sometime in June, whenever we reopened our doors, and we went through a shutdown. And there were several people during that time uh, that I'm acquainted with, I guess you would say through my secular job, all the time people would ask, oh, how 
has this affected the church? People were genuinely concerned and worried because we're, we're building a new church, right? We bought a building in the middle of a pandemic and went into a, a over well over a million and a half dollar renovation plan on an existing building that we bought. So almost a $2 million project, we entered into that right in the middle of a pandemic. Oh, how has that affected the church? I want to tell you something this morning. God is not affected by shutdowns. God's calendar is not like our calendar. What goes on in this world does not affect God. God is still God. God is still on the throne. God is still Jehovah Jireh. God is still our provider. I was able to look at people and say, well, I'll tell you how it's affected the church. We've broken a tithe record in the middle of a pandemic. We virtually took in 20 members to the church. And why? Because God's not affected by man's circumstances. God's not affected by what goes on in this world. And God hears and answers our prayers. Aren't you glad? I'm glad this morning that God hears and answers our prayers. So we see that the angel says, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Boy, in that good news, he says, your wife Elizabeth will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. Listen to me, church family. Listen to me. Don't ever give up. Did you hear me? Don't ever give up, regardless of what people look at you and say. Listen to me this morning. Regardless of even what you may see with your own eyes, regardless of how bad that it may seem to be getting, don't you ever give up. Don't you ever forget that God hears you when you pray. Listen to your pastor this morning. Because if you prayed, and if when you prayed you called on God in faith, you can take it to the bank that God heard you when you prayed that prayer. I just finished a series on deliverance. And what did we discover in that series? God heard the cries of His people. And when God heard the cries of His people, what happened? God remembered the covenant He made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and it caused God to move for His people. So therefore I don't care what the situation looks like. I don't care what they speak to you. I don't care what the doctor's report says. I don't care what the bank account looks like. I don't care what the situation looks like with the family member or the drug addict or the prostitute or the homosexual. I don't care what the situation looks like or how bad it may seem to be getting. Don't you ever give up. Don't you ever forget that God hears you when you pray and the God we serve is a prayer answering God. Somebody help me preach this morning. If you called on God in faith, He heard that prayer when you prayed it. Now listen, you may already be too discouraged. You may already be discouraged enough not to mention it again. You might even be thinking, I'm done with that prayer. I give up. I'm over it. But guess what? God does not give up. So you shouldn't either. I said God does not give up. Oh, I'm sure there was a lot of people that looked at at looked at Zechariah and uh, Elizabeth and said, don't you think you ought to quit praying for a child? You're well past your child rearing years. Don't your child bearing years. Why don't you think that you ought to give up and quit that? If God was going to do that, God was going to have done it by now. But I'm glad to know this morning that God doesn't work on our timetable. God doesn't have to do it when we think He has to do it. But if God said that He will do it, God will bring it to pass in His time. God doesn't get weary. God doesn't give up. 
God's arm is not short. His ear is not deaf. God doesn't go blind. When you're ready to quit, God's just getting started. When you give up, that's when God moves in and moves on the scene. So the first thing we have here is an answered prayer. How many say, thank God for answered prayer? The second thing we have is a doubtful man. Now I'm going to preach to us. Then the angel said, verses 14 and 15, listen. You'll have great joy and gladness, for many will rejoice at his birth. He'll be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or alcoholic drinks. I'm getting that in there as many times as I can. Amen. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit before his birth. Verses 14 and 15. Listen. You can't predict God. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit before his birth. You can't predict God. You can't put God in a box. Some people think that you can't be filled with the Holy Ghost until you go on a 40-day fast and you stay in the altar for 30 days. But God, for some reason, decided to fill this yet unborn child with the Holy Spirit while he was still in his mother's womb. Listen, don't try to limit God. Don't try to figure him out. Don't think that you have to be. It would be wonderful if you were, but don't think. If you're seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, that's real and it's biblical. I said it's real and it's biblical. If you're seeking that, you want to know more about it, I'll be glad to teach you everything I know about it. But if you're seeking it and asking God to fill you, it'd be wonderful if you get filled with the Holy Spirit, get baptized in His Spirit in this altar, or even at your seats during the altar service. But I want to tell you something this morning. Don't limit God. Don't think that it has to take place right in the middle of this building or at this altar. God can fill you in the Holy, with the Holy Spirit when you're driving down the road in your car. God can fill you with the Holy Spirit when you're in your prayer closet all alone at home. God can fill you with the Holy Spirit when you're in the shower. God can fill you with the Holy Spirit when you're leaving Kroger parking lot. I learned something this week. People already think that Pentecostals are ignorant, I guess anyway. But I left Kroger parking lot and forgot to pull my bass down. Here's what I discovered. People can't see and think you're talking to yourself when you're praying in your truck. And then they definitely don't know you're speaking in tongues. So you can wear a mask and speak in tongues and nobody knows about it. I'll get to why that happened here in just a few minutes. But all I'm saying is this. Don't you limit God to this building. If the only place you ever feel God's presence is in this building, honey, I want to challenge you to go deeper. If the only place you ever feel God's spirit is when you're in this altar, I want to challenge you to build an altar at home. If the only place you ever feel God's spirit is in some type of affiliation with this church or even when you're watching online, I want to challenge you to dig deeper, go deeper, seek God and get Him for yourself. I said get a relationship with God for yourself. You won't have to, oh this ain't in my notes, here I go. You won't have to worry about chasing down some well-named prophet when you have trouble in your life. You'll know how to get in your prayer closet and get a hold of God for yourself you'll know what it means to have a prayer answering God answer you when you cry out to him verses 16 and 17 he'll turn many Israelites to the Lord their God he'll be a man with the spirit and the power of Elijah if you know anything about Elijah that's big he'll prepare the people for the coming of the Lord he'll turn the hearts of the fathers to the children he'll cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly and so Zechariah said to the angel here we go how can I be sure this will happen? God ever told you something and you just wondered? You, you, you felt like initially God spoke it, but you just didn't know how it was going to come to pass. How can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is well along in years. You read it in context, in effect, here's what he's saying. How can I experience something like this at my age? 
earth, I don't even think this is possible. How on earth could this happen? Then the angel said, watch what he said. He said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, here's what doubt and unbelief can bring you. Since you didn't believe what I said, you'll be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will be certainly fulfilled at the proper time. See, this is God's way of telling us it's going to come to pass. And if we'll go ahead and get on board and believe what God tells us, we will see it happen. Did you hear me? If we go ahead and get on board and believe what God said in His Word that He will do, then God will bring it to pass. But if you're not, if you're not standing on what God's Word said He would do, why should God bring it to pass? But if you'll get on board, and maybe you need healing in your body, if you'll get on board and you'll stand on the Word that says, by His stripes you are healed. If you'll stand on His Word that says, I've never seen the righteous. You need financial provision. I've now, You've been young, David said, but I'm older now. And all my life I've never seen the righteous forsaken or God's seed begging for bread. You need healing in your body. Stand on the Word that James said, is there any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil. That's why we do it. And he said, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. If you'll be reminded of what God's word said that he will do and if you'll get on board and believe what God tells us, you will see it come to pass. Don't say you're too old. Don't say it can't happen. Don't say it won't happen. But if God has spoken what God has spoken God will bring to pass and listen I'm preaching to your pastor this morning and Angie helped me in the 845 service and I'm giving her notice I don't need her help right now but don't be like your pastor don't analyze everything to death she's helping me anyway I just asked you all heard me just ask her if you have an analytic okay honey If you have an analytical mind, you have a tendency sometimes to analyze everything to death. Anybody else do that? So I'm going to be transparent with you this morning. I want to tell you, don't try to analyze everything to death. Don't paralyze your own faith by looking too deep into your circumstances. Did you hear me? Don't paralyze your own faith by looking too deep into your circumstances. Just say, if God said it, it's true. And God will bring it to pass. I stand on it and I believe it. So I shared with the early service this morning that this past week. See and I don't say this because uh, I'm throwing off on you that you don't. I don't say that at all. But but because of the nature of my calling being the pastor. I have knowledge a lot of times of a lot of different things. That are going on with a lot of different people all at the same time. And I usually deal pretty well with that until something happens that I'm dealing with for myself. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And then I've got all these other things with all these other people. And I I began to, I got overwhelmed. You get overwhelmed and you've heard me talk about it before. You can begin to get anxious. What does anxiety, what's the definition of anxiety? Anxiety is worrying about things that haven't happened yet. And analytical people like me will begin to look at being overwhelmed with all of these things, will begin to look at the worst possible outcome of every situation. Anybody ever done that? 
And you begin to dwell about the what ifs and the worst possible outcome about every single situation. And so the only thing that I know to do when I feel that overwhelming me, I think it was maybe Thursday uh, that, uh, of this week that uh, I was on my lunch break and I was just overwhelmed with some things of my own uh, and then on top of that, several different situations with several different people and families in the church and things going on. And all I knew to do, the only thing that I, that I always know to do when I feel that just completely coming on, that anxiety, the only thing I know to do is to pray the Word of God. Because I want to tell you, if you pray the Word of God, that will run the devil out. I promise you it will. So I got in my truck and I forgot to pull my mask down and I just began to pray. I started it and I left Kroger parking lot and I just began to pray. And I, Psalm 46 is what came to my mind because I was thinking about the worst possible outcome uh, of, of many situations. And, and I memorized, for the most part, memorized this chapter of Scripture in the King James Version many years ago. It's only 11 verses long, but I began to pray it out loud. And I said, God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in the time of trouble. I said, God, you said you were our refuge and our strength. And then I began to think about what is a refuge. A refuge is a place of safety you can run to that will provide shelter for you. Did you hear me? God is our refuge and strength. The storm may be brewing all around. There may be the worst possible outcomes running through my mind of multiple situations. But God, you said you were our refuge and our strength. You were a very present help in the time of trouble and the psalmist said therefore will not we fear we're not going to fear though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea though the waters thereof roar and be troubled though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof why? because the word said there God you said there is a river the streams whereof shall make clad the cities of our God the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. Who is she? That's God's church. God, you said you were in the midst of your people. God is in the midst of her. He shall help her and that right early. God, you said you were in the midst of your people and that you would help us and you wouldn't be late. You'd be right on time. God, you're our refuge and strength. Oh, and then the word said the heathen raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice and the earth melted. That's what the word said. He uttered his voice and the earth melted. And then he said, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob, here it is again, that word, is our refuge. The Lord of hosts is with us. The more I prayed, the better I began to feel. The God of Jacob, he said, is our refuge. And then the psalmist went on to say, Come behold the works of the Lord. What desolations he's made in the earth. He makes wars to cease among the heathen. Uh, he breaketh the bow. He cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in fire. And verse 10 says this, Be still. Be still and know that I am God. Let me say that again. Be still. Somebody ought to help me preach right now. Be still and know that I am God. I'm thankful that through the years I've learned to hear the voice of God. And many times when the voice of God speaks to me, sometimes I hear what my mother would have said to follow that. I don't know if anybody else does that. But I'll hear the Lord and know it's the Lord. And then I'll hear what mama would have said to follow that. And I just begin to say to myself, be still, self. Uh, quit getting all worked up and all anxious. Be still and know that I'm God. And then you'll find this humorous probably. You know what I heard my mama say? 
yeah, get somewhere and sit down. That's what she used to say. Get somewhere and sit down. Calm yourself down. Why? Be still. And know that, oh, don't get so worked up. Don't worry. Oh, I know it don't look good. Don't get so worked up. Don't worry about it. I know it may not look good right now, but the Word said, God's your refuge and your strength. The Word said, God's your very present help in the middle of your trouble. Oh, it may not look good. You might be going through it right now, but don't get all worked up over it. Don't lose your faith over it, but be still and know that I'm God. Get somewhere and sit down. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. So we have an answered prayer. We have a doubtful man. And then we find a favored virgin. Let's talk about it. Verses 26 through 30. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, here's where we get to Jesus. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. See, it wasn't like it is now back then. You waited until you got married to have sex. Michaela's not praising the Lord. She's laughing and clapping at the same time. Can I just say that? Oh, it gets quiet. Because mm. we're living in a church today that everything's okay. But I promise you, everybody that says, Lord, Lord, ain't going to enter in. Back then, oh, I felt it right then. Oh, pastor, pastor, don't you think that. Don't you think I can't have a relationship with the Lord? And I'm just not ready to get married right now. I didn't do this at 845. I don't know who needs to hear this this morning. But if the shoe fits, put it on and wear it. God does care. God, I said God does care. That's supposed to be between a husband and a wife. It's not supposed to be just a casual encounter with everybody you date. Lord, have mercy. And it's not okay to say everything's okay and live a life of sin. Somebody help me preach this morning. Oh, yeah, I don't know why I did that. Hello. Anyway, she, she was engaged. She wasn't married. She was married, engaged to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, here's what he said, greetings. Now think about this. Not married. Culture of that time was you, you don't do that till you get married. So Gabriel appears to her and says, Greetings, favored woman. Now think about this. You consider yourself favored? If you're living in that culture, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, I would have been too. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You found favor with God. We'll talk about that favor here in just a minute. But some of you that are listening right now are thinking, Oh, if God could just show me favor. That's what I need right now. I need favor in this situation. But... You think that having favor is having an angel show up and tell you what God's already told you in His Word. You think having favor is running somebody else down to give you a word from the Lord that you could have got out of the book if you had sought for the word yourself. Hello, somebody. You think favor has got something to do with a better job or a bigger salary. I'm going to tell you something right now. Money does not buy happiness. Say amen, somebody. Money does not buy happiness. You're looking on social media seeing people with bigger houses and finer cars and thinking, oh, that's favor. If I could just have favor, I'm going to tell you something this morning. That ain't got a thing in the world to do with favor. Money and material things don't have a thing in the world to do with favor. Did you hear me? But if you can say, I have a relationship with Jesus Christ, not only 
only is he my Savior, but he's my Lord. Not only is he my Savior and Lord, but he's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Oh, I can call on him in the midnight hour when nobody else is around. And he's never failed to answer me. He's never failed to be with me. His word said he'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. I've got a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you can say that... That's favor. If you can say my family is ready to meet the Lord, that's favor. If you can say me and my husband or me and my wife, have, have our marriage has been restored, that's favor with God. If you can say I'm serving the Lord, that's favor. Monetary things don't have anything to do with favor. But if you want the favor of God upon you, you've got to be able to know Him. He's got to be able to know you. Verses 31 through 38. Watch what, it, what the angel said. You'll conceive and give birth to a son. and You'll name him Jesus. He'll be very great. He'll be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. And he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel. Here we go again. But how can this happen? Here we go. I'm a virgin. Duh. The angel replied. Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. Now listen, I read that this week, and I thought, as Pentecostals, because I don't care what denomination you are, everybody believes this passage of Scripture. So why on earth do we worry about people thinking Pentecostals are crazy? Think about it. In this situation, they thought she is a nut. An angel really spoke to you and said, oh, oh, you're trying to make us believe that you're a virgin and you're carrying a baby. Oh, yeah, not only am I carrying a baby, honey, I'm carrying the baby of the only God. They thought she was crazy. But here's what happened. What's more, your relative Elizabeth's become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she's conceived a son now and is in her sixth month. For the word of God, watch this, will never fail. If God said it, he'll do it. May not be our timetable, but he'll bring it to pass. Mary responded, I'm the Lord's servant. Watch this. May everything you've said about me come true. And the angel left her. For that virgin girl to say, may everything you've said about me come true. King James Version said, be it unto me according to your word. That took a lot of faith. Took a lot of faith. Being pregnant at that time and in that culture, she was subject to being stoned to death. And yet she said, whatever God tells me to do, I'm willing to accept it. Boy, that's deep. Mary also understood that vaguely from then on, yeah, she would be the mother of Jesus, but yet Jews all over the world would call her a filthy prostitute. That's what they'd say about her. That's what she'd be known as because she had a baby out of wedlock. She knew that would be her legacy. She knew the culture. She knew the religion. But yet she was willing to say, may everything that you've said about me come true. Be it unto me according to your word. You know why? Mary was not as concerned about what people thought about her as she was about what God was doing inside of her. Let that sink in. Mary realized she wasn't running a popularity contest. Let me say this to somebody today. When God puts his hand upon your life, and I've realized this uh, more, more recently probably than ever, but when God puts his hand upon your life and he calls you, he doesn't always call, carve you out an easy path. He doesn't always make you popular with people. Did you hear me? We're living in a day and time you can't even share the truth and, and not end up unpopular. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This week, I said it in 845, I might as well say it now because maybe they wasn't watching then, but they're watching now, so I'm going to say it. Just this past week, somebody said to me, if you was a man of God, 
you'd be more concerned about saving lives than you would be about your rights being infringed upon. Let me make something real clear. I am concerned about saving lives. And I learned a long time ago, learned even more recently, that sometimes standing for the truth don't make you popular. I want to tell you something right now. We're living in a hypocritical world. Don't you throw back at me that I need to be concerned about saving lives when you're walking in the voting booth and, and voicing your voice in support of abortion. Don't tell me you're all about saving Oh, it's going to get quiet now. Don't tell me you're all about saving lives when you will take an avid stand for abortion. No, I learned a long time ago, a long time ago that it doesn't always make you popular to stand for the Word of God. People that go into a restaurant or go into a retail store or go into a house of worship that is observing CDC guidelines and end up maybe conversely contracting COVID, that was their choice that led to that decision. But don't you call, don't you call me out and say, Say, I need to be concerned about lives when, when, because of that situation when they had a choice, but yet you'll walk into, I oh, know, oh, I know. You know what's wrong with politics today? We ain't talked enough about our convictions before we go to the voting booth. We ain't talked enough about what the Word of God says before we go cast that vote. Then we'll walk into that voting booth after we've accused somebody else of not being concerned about lives and cast a vote for a man or a woman that supports abortion of a child that wasn't given a choice. That's the very definition of hypocrisy. We're we need to take a stand for the Word of God. And I've got news for you today. When you stand for the Word, it's not always going to be popular. But God didn't call me for a popularity contest. I'm not trying to build a fan club or a social club or a larger audience of people that want to think they're on their way to heaven when in reality they're on their way to hell. Know what I'm called to do? Whether it be popular or unpopular is preach the uncompromising, unadulterated Word of God and stand for truth. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit in feeling. The last thing I want to talk about. They can come to the music. The Bible says that the angel had departed from her. Luke 1, 39-41 A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea. Watch this. The town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and she greeted Elizabeth. And at the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her. Now, you don't hear this talked about much in the Christmas story. But watch this. Now we already had the account that the child was filled with the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb, right? Here when the child filled with the Holy Spirit leaps in his mother's womb, what happened? And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So here we go. Here's what we see here. We have two women. One's burging with a Spirit-filled baby and the other is just beginning to show, but Jesus is already there. John, who's six months older in the womb, is the cousin of Jesus. He's already developing. And here comes Mary bouncing up the steps to the house in the hills of Judea. She knocks on the door. She walks in and greets Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard what Mary said, something on the inside of her began to kick and jump. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So what does this mean to us, Pastor? How can we apply this? Is it possible that we can be so full of Jesus on the inside when we walk up to somebody and greet them, the very word of the living God that comes out of our mouth can make something on the inside of them come alive. Did you hear me? Oh, is it possible to be so full of Jesus that the word of God coming out of my mouth can make something jump on the inside of somebody else? I believe it is. If 
I'm so full of the Holy Spirit and not myself. Hello, somebody. And so full of the Word of God and so full of Jesus that it has to come out my mouth. And when it does, life can enter into dead situations. Life can enter into dead situations. What a miracle. The living unseen Jesus and the living unseen John the Baptist were communicating. Mary greeted Elizabeth and John kicked. This was an unborn child. Limbs not formed, still living off of its mother's placenta, getting its food and energy and everything from its mama. But yet when Mary speaks, who was full of Jesus, something on the inside of Elizabeth's womb jumped. I wonder what would happen if as a church we began talking about Jesus and what the Lord has done. Listen, we can say this world is in a mess, and how many will agree it is? But then we can say, I'm not. I'm not in a mess. How many would agree with me? We can say this world is losing their ever-loving minds. But I'm not losing mine. As a matter of fact, I've found something. And what I've found will guard my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. What I found wasn't given to me by this world. And therefore, the world can't take it away. They can shut everything down they want to. They can even, if something happened and it was martial law and we wasn't allowed to have church in person, I hope that it, I hope you'd be able to make it through it. But I want to tell you something. I can worship and sing and pray at home the same as I can worship and sing and pray right here. What, the, what I have, this world didn't give to me. So there ain't a thing this world can do that can take what I have away. What if we would speak the life of Jesus, the word of Jesus, and the power of Jesus in the darkness? What if we went to people who had no hope and we just said, Jesus? Mm. What would happen if the Spirit of the Lord would take hold of that name and drive deep, deep into the soul of people who don't even have hope for tomorrow and cause them to stand up, look up, and say, if He can do it for you, He must be able to do it for me too. Stand with me all over the room. So far... Two members of the family filled with the Holy Ghost. Watch this, without even going to church. Two members filled with the Holy Spirit without even going to church. And then Elizabeth, the Bible said she spoke out with a loud voice and began to praise God. She got she's one of them loud Pentecostals. She got loud and she began to praise. Verse 42, Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You're blessed because you believe what the Lord would do what he said. You are blessed. Watch that. You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. Let me say that again. You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. Let that stick with you. But then Mary responded, Oh, my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of this lowly servant girl. And from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy and has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation. And all those who fear him. If you read verse 56, and I'm closing. Mary was reminded, uh, or Mary remained with Elizabeth about three months. Which means she was there probably when John the Baptist was born. Because Elizabeth was already six months pregnant. I'm going to read verse 57 through 63 and then I'm going to close. When it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. When her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone rejoiced with her. When the baby was eight days old, they all came for the circumcision ceremony. They wanted to name him Zechariah after his father. But Elizabeth said, no. Remember what the angel said to him. Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. What? They exclaimed. There's no one in all your family by that name. So they had to use gestures with Zechariah, because remember he couldn't speak, to ask the baby's father what he wanted to name him. He motioned for a writing tablet to everyone's surprise. What the angel speak to him? He wrote, his name is John. And the Bible says, if you go on to read the story, immediately when he did that, 
his mouth was opened and his tongue was loosed. And he praised God. And you know what verse 67 says? We're not going to read it. But verse 67 says this. Zechariah was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied. Now we got everybody in the family filled with the Spirit of God before the day of Pentecost. Did you hear me? This morning he was filled with the Holy Ghost and he began to prophesy. You know why? Because the moment you get this, if you don't get anything else this morning, the moment Zechariah lined up with the will of God, the moment Zechariah lined up with the Word of God, his tongue was loosed and he began to praise God vigorously. He was filled with the Holy Ghost and he started prophesying. The point is this. Listen, when you get lined up with God's word when you come in alignment with God's will you'll stop saying oh it can't happen you'll stop standing on what their report was or what the situation looks like but if you'll come in alignment with what the word of God says and if you'll come in alignment with what the will of God is then you will see God bring it to pass you can just stand back in the middle of the storm and in the middle of the chaos and say I'm going to be still because I know you're God and I'm just going to speak the name of Jesus I'm just going to speak the name of Jesus with every head bowed and every eye closed all over this room you may be sitting here today and you may not be ready to meet the Lord as you're, uh, and to go out into eternity you may not know Him as your personal Lord and Savior and I pray that if that's you I want to ask everybody in this room to pray this prayer with me I did this at 845 I feel led to do it now maybe you're watching online just pray this prayer with me this morning Jesus Pray it with me. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and change my life. I want you to be my Savior and my Lord. And from this day forward, I will serve you with all I have. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Now, if you're saved, give the Lord the biggest hand clap of praise you can give Him this morning. I want you to rejoice with us if you're watching online.